Kato! Kato! Where are you? Her face was riddled with anguish when she turned to Max and Nigel, who had caught up with her. Where is he? Before they could answer, she took off again, running along the riverbank and calling out to the eagle. Max shouted after her, Shouldn't we be looking up in the sky? I'm afraid that this time we shall find him on the ground. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. And yes, here we are, the final episode of Season 2, the final chapter of The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. Uh, But of course, as always, well, almost always, uh, let me introduce your hosts. First, the brave-hearted doggy, greetings, lads and lesses, the kitty cat brainiac, Uh, and truly a mouse among men, I say, cheers. Yes, it's Max, Liz, and Nigel. Now, in our last episode... Uh, no, 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 lad. Uh, do it like the mystery announcer. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. <clears throat> in our last episode, you may remember, Gilliman and Clary arrived by the Iamosphere, bearing mysterious packages for each of our hosts. But what's in those packages remains a mystery. Uh, perhaps if we open them. But tearing them open was not an option. Uh, why not? Uh, let me answer that. Uh, go for it, Gilliman. Uh, first, I have a, a special surprise. There goes the wind again. Oh, top of the morning to you. Oh, Cher Albert. Hello, lads and lasses. Ah, me bunny kid. <laughs> oh, my. We are all together again. The maker must have a big assignment for us then, no? Uh, Well, uh, perhaps not big, but very important. Uh, So now, now that we are all together, uh, you may open the packages. I say, curious, it's a tiny spyglass. Well, Mosey, you do have tiny little eyes. Uh, Indeed, quite so. Uh, I say, what did you get, Al? And uh, my pet? Well, mine is a guide to tropical flowers and plants. One of my favorite things. How curious. And look. It came with a banana. You keep the book, love, and I'll keep the banana. Oui, uh, it is a win-win. Uh, what did you get, Kate? It looks like a wee bottle of nail polish. Aye, and I got a train ticket. I see. Oh, Albert, you are already eating the banana? Well, bananas only have a wee time to be fresh, lass. Aye, especially with you around. I say, uh, Gilliman, uh, this has all been jolly amusing, but what on earth does the maker have in mind? Well, to answer that, I shall defer to uh, a nosey fellow. It's uh, still Denny. Well then, uh, uh, Denny, tell them what they've won. Well, thanks, Gilliman. First of all, Nigel P. Monaco, you'll be traveling Pelican Airlines to a luxurious resort featuring massages an assortment of sugar retreats, and one of the finest libraries in the world where whodunit mysteries are featured every evening. Huzzah! I say, surely good. Next, Liz and Al, you'll be traveling by banana boat. (gasps) A boat made out of bananas? No, Al, it... uh, 
close enough. And that banana boat will take you to a tropical island full of amazing plant life. Plus, professional pet groomers will treat you to manicures and pedicures. Uh, which for kitties is pretty much the same thing. And midnight buffets every night. But meanwhile, Max and Kate, you'll be traveling by Great Dane Railways. Hi, we're taking a Great Dane gravy train. Yes, the only train that can even travel on water. And that'd be better than traveling in water. Hi, where you'll each get a window seat with windows suitable for sticking your heads out. Oh boy. Oh, that's exciting then. Plus, you'll each be professionally groomed and defleed if necessary. Uh, plus, you'll spend two days enjoying the Highland Games and daily smorgasbords. Ooh, I always wanted to ride on a smorgasbord. No, Max, it's not a ride. It'd be a big, long line of food. Oh, <laughs> that'd be even better. I say, old chap, uh, these vacations are uh, each jolly good, of course, uh, but it would be a shame to not get to share them with your best of friends. We, oui. I will surely miss you, Nigel, and Max, and Kate, and oh. it would be a far greater thing for you to join us then. But wait, you see, each of these incredible trips will land you all in the same place. They wonder where that could be. I'm about to tell you. It's at the world-famous Fantanimo Animal Resort on the beautiful tropical island of... Costa La Ramula. Oh, oh la la, I have seen the brochures. Oh, it is time in. Glory be. I've never been to Costa La Ramula. Aye, that's because it Costa La Ramula. So, Max, sure and you and I can go to the smorgasbords. Aye, Big L. We and Kate, uh, you and I can spend some time with all the tropical plant life and then get our nails done. Aye, lass, and get our fur all gussied up, too. <laughs> then we'll have two buddy lasses, eh? And Liz, my pet, I say, do save some time to peruse the incredible library with me. We and solve the whodunit mysteries, eh? Indeed. Brilliant. Aye, Mousie, you have a good time sleuthing and spying with Liz, while Max and Kate and I... Scarf down goodies to our heart's desires. Aye, and Kate, we'll get to see some real Highland games. Aye, this'll be the finest vacation ever. Uh, but what about you, Gilliman and Clary? We, oui, I sure wish you both were going. Uh, well, who said we're not? <laughs> Indeed, uh, check out my vacation-appropriate footwear. Well, I'll be. I never thought I'd see a mountain goat wearing flip-flops, then. And do you like my groovy shades? Groovy, lass? Aye, Clary, you really are old then, aren't you? Well then, uh, we're all set for the maker's next assignment then. Rest and relaxation! Ah, uh, but, 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 but uh, lest we forget, we've got a story to tell. A story to complete. Our book's final chapter. And uh, for this last episode, the chapter today will be followed immediately by a few words from our illustrious author, Jenny L. Cody. All right? So... <clears throat> And now, the conclusion of The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. Chapter 68, On Eagle's Wings. The sound of rapids grew louder as the animals neared the water's edge. Max ran a distant stride behind Liz, who had not slowed her pace since they left the churchyard. Nigel rode on Max's back, holding on tightly to the dog's fur. He shouted into Max's large triangle ear, I've never seen our girl run so fast! Max huffed as they neared the meeting spot at the James River, 
where the cascading falls churned the water into a foam against the massive boulders peppered along the shoreline. She's never had such an urgent message to get her moving like this. Liz stopped when they reached the riverbank and looked both ways, panting heavily to catch her breath. Kato! Kato! Where are you? Her face was riddled with anguish when she turned to Max and Nigel, who had caught up with her. Where is he? Before they could answer, she took off again, running along the riverbank and calling out to the eagle. Max shouted after her, Shouldn't we be looking up in the sky? I'm afraid that this time we shall find him on the ground, Nigel answered gravely. It wasn't long before Liz spotted the distinct white head of the eagle up ahead on the riverbank. He was lying on his side next to a boulder, with his talons curled under him, breathing heavily. She rushed up to him, and her voice broke as she spoke his name. Kito! Oh, cher Kito! The eagle struggled to lift his head, which trembled from the simple effort. His eyes were glazed over, and he blinked, unable to see clearly. Liz? He called softly. Did... Patrick? Liz placed her paw on the eagle's wing. Oui, he used the letter opener, Kato, she replied with tears falling from her face onto his feathers. It was in his hand when he saw you fly by, and at that moment I believe he knew what to say. His words carried the day. She smiled sadly and sobbed, wiping away her tears. You did it, Kato! Max stopped a few yards behind them, and Nigel climbed off his back to the ground. We've got to save him, Max said as he saw Cato's condition, taking a step forward. Nigel placed his paw on Max's leg to stop him. I'm afraid it's too late, the mouse murmured softly. He's been poisoned. It won't be long now. Give them this moment. Max looked at Nigel with sadness in his eyes and didn't know what to say. Together he and Nigel stood back, allowing Liz the space she needed to speak to her old friend. Cato closed his eyes and shuddered, relieved. What words? Liz tenderly placed her paw on the eagle's head, gently smoothing back his feathers. Liberty or death from Cato. Patrick acted out the scene from the play, mon ami. The humans were moved beyond words and were eager to support his resolutions. Thank you, Cato, for your bravery. She forced out, looking down at his talons. She saw that they were cut, and her mind pieced together how he had been poisoned. And for your sacrifice. The eagle took in a shallow breath and shivered. He managed a slight nod, relieved to hear the news. Despair, not the tragic, he struggled to say, quoting the end of Gilliman's riddle. Liz swallowed the lump in her throat and softly finished the line. Each pen is a key to unlock the next door for the voice to be free. <laughs> She sobbed and put her head next to his. But this pin 
I do not think I can bear. I am old. My time is short on earth. Either way, Cato gasped, breathing even more heavily now. My sons, Plutarch, Veritas, Alexander, tell them they must be the next generation to fight for liberty. Liz nodded through eyes blinded with tears. It will always be up to the next generation to keep a nation free, <laughs> she uttered with a broken voice. What a pity that we can die but once to serve our country, Cato said softly with a sad smile. Nigel wiped the tears from behind his spectacles and leaned over to whisper to Max, He's quoting another line from the play, Cato. Cato's eyes opened wide, as if startled by something unseen in front of him. He started breathing rapidly and tried to lift his head. Liz tried to stop him from moving. Shh, I am here. One... Thing, the eagle struggled to say as he reached down to his shoulder. He gripped his beak around a feather and pulled it out with all his remaining strength. For Patrick. Oh! Liz cried out, falling on the dying eagle as she accepted the feather with her paw. She wrapped her arms around her friend and rocked him back and forth, weeping uncontrollably. She held him close to her heart until he slipped away. Max and Nigel sat quietly by for a long time, allowing Liz time to grieve the loss of their friend. The James River seemed to hold but a tiny drop of water compared with the river of tears flowing from their eyes. Clary came walking up to them and squatted down next to her friends on the riverbank. Did she get to say goodbye? She asked softly. Aye, Max replied. This were a shock to all of us. I hope the lass can handle it. Clarie nodded and looked over at Liz. She can. She will. She must. The price of being immortal is having to tell those we love farewell while we remain behind. Nigel said, whether it be tragically like this, or whether it be naturally. Cato was not going to live much longer, Clarie pointed out. He was thirty years old, so he had lived longer than most eagles. It still don't make it any easier, Max moaned, looking at Liz still draped over Cato. Come, let's go to her, Clarie prompted them, standing to walk over to Liz. Liz heard them behind her, but kept her head on Cato. He wanted Patrick to have his feather. I will take it to him, but he will never know where it came from. Clarie knelt down, and she, Max, and Nigel surrounded Liz and Cato. Someday he will, Clarie said with a smile. I will take care of Cato from here. 
She put her hands on Liz's small form and pulled the grieving cat to her chest to hold her for a moment. You and Cato accomplished your mission, Liz. Patrick's resolutions passed, sixty-five to sixty. He is already leading the committee to set things in place for Virginia's defense. Liz sniffed and nodded gratefully. <laughs> Thank you for the good news, mon ami. But I feel too weak in my spirit to do anything else for the cause of liberty right now. Remember what you helped Isaiah to pen so long ago about eagles? Clarie whispered into Liz's ear. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Liz's eyes brimmed and her voice filled with emotion as she finished the verse from Isaiah 40, 31. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Wait for the Lord, Clarice said, as she kissed Liz on the head and placed her on the ground next to Max and Nigel. They enveloped her with hugs. Clarice then gently scooped up Cato's lifeless form in her arms, hugging him close. Remember, for those who love the Maker, it is never a final goodbye, only a temporary farewell. Take comfort in the fact that you will see Cato again. She rose to her feet and started to slowly disappear before their eyes, but they could hear Clarie's voice over the rushing waters of the James. And know this, Cato now soars with the angels in heaven. Liz closed her eyes to imagine the beautiful scene of Cato, young again and very much alive, forever flying freely around the majesty of heaven. She let go a laugh of bittersweet joy. <laughs> a voice dying on the outside and inside, she recited to Max and Nigel, understanding the final part of the fiddle's riddle. So many layers of meaning, but I never thought Cato would be part of the riddle. I guess it meant both Catos. The play and the eagle, Max suggested. Just like your Henry acted out as if he were dying. Nigel clasped his paws behind his back and shook his head in wonder. Extraordinary. While Cato was dying on the outside of the church, Patrick was dying on the inside of the church. My Henry has also been dying on the inside from the weight of a grieving heart. Liz added. Yet the voice of the revolution threw off his own chains of grief to exclaim Cato's words and rally a nation to independence. Nigel replied in awe. And so must we, Liz replied, wiping her eyes. Time for something new to begin. Aye, amazing what this mission finally led to, marveled Max. Just seven little words. Give me liberty, or give me death, recited Liz, echoing Patrick's words. Nigel nodded. 
I do believe the power of those seven little words will forever soar through the air of freedom. Oui, affirmed Liz, with tears of joy mixed with sadness, softly touching Cato's feather. On eagle's wings. Excuse me, let me get another Kleedex. Oh, I'm sorry. I got a little choked up. I still cry. I cried throughout writing this entire chapter. And I'm okay if I make you cry because that's something that we authors like to do. We're supposed to do good writing and the emotions expressed by the author should come through on the page to the reader to stir your heart, to stir your emotions, and to make you think and care deeply about things. So as I shared with you last week about Cato the Eagle, he was a fictional character that invaded my outline And one of the things I didn't tell you last week when I was reading about the account of writing Liberty or Death in St. John's Church and the eagles that appeared to me when I got up there, I was debating about eliminating him from my book because the book was already so long. I had not planned on this character. And then he comes and invades it. And I'm like, oh, man, am I spending too much time on this fictional fantasy plot line? And maybe I need to just delete Cato and backspace and just not do that. So then, as you heard last week, all these eagles appeared that I never see. I never see a bald eagle when I cross the Surrey Ferry. Every time I go and come from Colonial Williamsburg, and there was one. And then in my dream, and then on the way to Williamsburg, and then, of course, sitting in St. John's Church, and I see the eagle on the chair. And then when my friend Ray Bear told me that there was a bald eagle circling the church, as I was inside writing the scene of Cato circling the church and screaming liberty, 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 and inspiring Patrick Henry and everything coming together in that pivotal moment. And then I was like, oh my goodness, Cato, of course you were the glue to the entire book. So how hateful of me (laughs) to end the book like this. But don't worry, out of this heartache, good is coming. The true history of this, as you heard, was that uh, Patrick Henry's resolutions passed 65 to 60, and he started leading the committee to set things in place for Virginia's defense. And Patrick Henry was a prophet because he said, listen, if this can happen up in Boston, if the British can shut down the town and quarter their troops there and come down hard there, it can happen here. The war has actually begun. So his resolves were to get Virginia ready, and sure enough, do you know what happened? Just three weeks later, the first shots were fired at Lexington and Concord when Governor Gage up there stole the powder. And the same thing happened in Virginia with Lord Dunmore. But of course, you'll have to wait and read that in the next book, The Declaration, the Sword, and the Spy. That's right, Jenny, but uh, you don't have to wait for a podcast to do that. The Declaration of the Sword and the Spy, the next in Miss Jenny's Revolutionary War series, is already available in audiobook form on audible.com, as is our very latest audiobook collaboration, the Old Testament story of Joseph called The Dreamer, the Schemer, and the Robe. Again, they're both available for purchase on audible.com right now. Then, looking ahead as we approach the holiday season for 2022, 
Be on the lookout for our next audiobook effort, Miss Jenny's Telling of the Christmas Story. It's called The Prophet, the Shepherd, and the Star, and we're looking to have that available somewhere around November of 2022. Well, right now, I've got a room full of epic animals sitting here ready for an epic vacation, uh, the maker's next assignment for them. But uh, not only am I going to miss them all, um, I have to admit, I'm just a wee bit jealous that they have this great tropical vacation ahead. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Denny, uh, didn't you receive an envelope? No. Uh, Clary? Well, I know I brought it with me. Uh, uh, wait a minute. I, I, I say, could this be it over here under the sofa? Here, here I'll pull it out. Oh, let me help you, Nigel. It must have slipped out of my hands. I'm sorry, Denny. Look, it is for Monsieur Denny. Oh, now you've got it, Mr. Denny. Open it. Y you, you all remembered my... Are you going to yammer about it, Mr. Denny? Or are you going to open it? Uh, yeah, right, Kate. <laughs> sorry, my bad. Um, it, uh... It has two plane tickets. They don't look all that plain to me, Denny boy. No, I meant, uh, well, yeah, actually, you're right. Wow. They're first class. <laughs> I remember my first class. I barely had whiskers, you see. I was just... Uh, no, no, no. I, I mean, they're first class airline tickets. Indeed. For you and the missus to join us on the Isle of Costa Sandy and I get to go? You shall meet us there, as everyone else needs to hop into the Iamosphere. First I have to drop Max and Kate at the Great Dane train station, uh, then I'll drop Nigel at the Pella port, and finally Liz and Al at the uh, Banana Boat docks. Uh, then I'll see you in a day or two, uh, uh, Denny. Uh, everyone ready? Um, oh, oh, wait, no, no, I, I forgot one thing. Oh, do hurry, Max. I had to get a credit card. Uh, pardon? I said, I had to get Mr. Denny's credit card. Wait a minute. Uh, no time, laddie. <laughs> Crank her up, Gilliman. A bientôt, mon ami. Huzzah and ta-ta. Now wait just a doggone... <laughs> yep, the dog is gone, as is everybody else. Well, uh, I guess uh, that's our show for today, and for at least a little while longer. It's been an amazing ride, beginning with episode one, Back in March of 2020, we've now completed episode 122, over two years later. What's next? Well, keep us in your prayers as we seek the Maker's guidance for that answer. But I do want to thank you for hanging with us week after week. I want to especially thank Miss Jenny for giving me such great stories to tell and such unique characters to work with. Uh, Miss Jenny, would you like to add any parting words? I hope you've enjoyed this book. It was my life privilege to research it, to write it, to inspire you, the next generation, to rise up and find your voice in his story. And if I can inspire just one of you to rise up to be the next Patrick Henry for such a time as this, then it will be worth every moment that I spent, every tear that I shed, in writing this for you. Well said, Miss Jenny. And uh, with that, we'll wrap things up. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, has been produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. All episodic content written by Sandy and Denny Brownlee. 
And once again, the reminder that you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Voice of the Revolution in the Key, and all four of Jenny's audiobooks currently available by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderoftheseven.com. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thank you so much for listening. And as Gilliman always says, Always, always remember, remember, you are loved and you are, are able. able.